Uh, but just a little review. Week one, uh, we talked about time. Time is a limited resource. It's valuable, and therefore others will be after it. Uh, so how you use your time, it's either going to bring glory to God or to yourself or to someone or something else. And so we talked about the importance of time. Week two, we talked about making a turducken, uh, which was symbolic of when you're trying to do too much and you're just cramming everything in there. If you, if you weren't here for that, a turducken is a chicken stuffed inside of a duck, stuffed inside of a turkey, stuffed inside of a human. Um, and so I, I know that we had some people that actually tried to make turduckens for uh, Thanksgiving, and it was a little iffy from what I heard, saw on social media. Uh, but yeah, we don't want to make our lives into a turducken, right? It's just doing too much. Um, and then uh, last week, we talked about family and sanity, not because you have any issues with your family. Y'all are all great. But because some of your friends might have issues with their families. And so we went ahead and talked about that. You know, Jesus didn't always get along with his natural family or his spiritual family. And we looked at that in scripture. Uh, And the answer that we discovered was to love them even when you don't like them. There's a difference between loving someone and liking someone. And you don't have to like them uh, in order to love them. Amen? So this week, we're talking about the recovery room, the recovery room. Now, um, I don't know if anyone's had surgery. I hope you haven't. But if you had, uh, if you have had that, you know that after surgery, uh, you are taken to a recovery room, which is a place where a patient goes after surgery to safely recover and to receive care. Um, you know, once the doctors are done doing what they do, uh, and once everything is completed, they then take you into this recovery room, um, and then they, they help you wake up if you were, you know, taken under during, during the uh, surgery, uh, and they make sure that, you know, they check your vital signs, make sure that everything's okay, um, and they, they, you know, give you time to recover. In the same way, as we go through life, uh, we've got to learn to go to the recovery room as well. We, we've got to take time to get in God's presence. You know, it, it may not be surgery, physical surgery, but many times we go through things in life, situations in life, and we are left feeling a little battered and bruised, right? Am I talking to the right people here? Or is everything perfect? Okay, I'm just making sure. Making sure. Yeah, so we go through life and these, these things happen, right? And so, uh, but we've got to learn to go to the recovery room to get in God's presence, to get healed, to get restored, uh, and to get filled. Um, and so we want to take a, a look this morning at the life of Jesus about how he went to re- the recovery room. And you see, he regularly went to the recovery room during his ministry. We're going to look at some of these scriptures. You can turn with me. Uh, the notes are on our VFC app. If you've got that on your phone, uh, you can follow along and you can type in, uh, fill in the blank notes, put in the words to stay engaged during the message. Um, just don't play Candy Crush during the message. If that's okay, I'd prefer you not to. But we'll look at uh, some of these times when Jesus went to the recovery room. Check this out. So Luke chapter 5. And uh, he had just healed people of leprosy. Verse 15, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his instructions to keep it quiet, because he was trying to contain things, uh, and it was rapidly getting out of control. Despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him, um, came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Verse 16, 
But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Isn't that interesting? You know, you would think that when your fame is, is beginning to grow and grow and grow, it's time to really take it to the next level and release your next series of YouTube videos and write your book and do whatever the next thing is in your profession, right? But what did Jesus do? It says he often, not just sometimes, on a regular basis, withdrew to the wilderness. There was no one in the wilderness, And you might say, well, well, gosh, don't people need healing, Jesus? Don't people need? Yeah, but he needed the recovery room. He needed a place, a time that was set aside so that he could be with his father, that he could could commune with his father, and that he could get restored and ready um, for even more ministry. Matthew chapter 14 is another example. Matthew 14, uh, he had just fed a bunch of people miraculously, 5,000. And after this, verse 22, immediately, Matthew 14, 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people home. After sending them home, he, Jesus, went up into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. So not, uh, not only did Jesus often withdraw into the wilderness, but when he withdrew to pray and to spend time to get in the recovery room, he wasn't in any particular hurry because night fell. It, it, was, it, it took time. It wasn't a quick thing that he went to the recovery room. Um, let's look again. Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says this, um, again, Jesus is preaching in Galilee, which is his hometown area. Verse 35, before daybreak and uh, the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Again, so he's not only staying up late at times to pray, other times he's getting up super, super early before it gets light. Jesus got up and went to an isolated place. Again, there's no one there to pray. Verse 36, later Simon, we also know him as Peter, and the others went to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. I bet. I bet. But when you're in the recovery room, everyone has to wait. Because it's not time to interact with the recovery, with, with other people. It's time to interact with those that are caring for you and that are taking care of you, right? And so Jesus knew, you know, I think this is the secret sauce to Jesus' ministry. And I think this can be the secret sauce to your life in Christ as well. No matter where you're called to, no matter what you're called to do, I think that us learning to go to the recovery room on a regular basis is the number one key to being successful in our callings. And yes, you do have a calling. And yes, you do have spiritual giftings that God has placed in you that are unique to you and that are needed and necessary to bring God's kingdom to earth. Now, this doesn't mean, just in case you're confused, this doesn't mean that Jesus was an introvert necessarily. You know, as you listen to some of this, those of you that are, where are my introverts at? If you'll raise your hand. Okay. Uh, someone will see me. (laughs) 
And the introverts probably listen to this and think, sweet, I get to stay locked up in my, re- in my room watching the latest Netflix series or reading my favorite book all by myself because it's biblical. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about hiding from the world. And, and look, just in case you're wondering, introverts recharge by spending time alone. That's all it means. That's, that's all it means. It doesn't mean that you don't like to speak publicly. It doesn't even necessarily mean that you don't uh, like to be around people. It just means that you recharge. Like imagine if your energy, you've got your own little internal battery pack, okay? And the way that you charge is by, is by uh, plugging in by yourself, Okay? Uh, an extrovert, on the other hand, recharges by plugging in with other people. And, and extroverts feel energized when they're around other people. Here's how you can tell. If you've had a long day at work and it's just been a tough day, do you want to go home, get in your fat pants, and, and, and just go you know, by yourself? Or would you rather go out with friends, go, go to a restaurant, go do something with them, and that and that recharges you and helps you let off steam that's that's determines whether or not you're introvert or extrovert and by the way these things are on a spectrum there's something called an ambivert which is right in the middle you know some some people do a little bit yeah people raising their hands me too um so yeah so this doesn't mean that you're just hiding from the world this is an is intentional time spent in god's presence so we've got to learn to enter the recovery room as well. So how do we enter the recovery room? How do we live in this way like Jesus did? How do we how do we use this tool that Jesus used in order to be effective in ministry? How can we use this for our own lives? Well, here's the first way is we've got to retreat from activity. We've got to retreat from activity. If you turn to 1 Kings chapter 11, we find Elijah, who is a really well-known prophet, and he had just had um, a, major, a major win. Um, he just had a major win in his own life. Um, he, had, he had defeated the prophets of Baal, and he had, he had killed a bunch of them, and he got them on the run. And I have the wrong reference here, so I'm just going to tell you the story. So... <laughs> So Elijah, because he's this great man of God, because great men of God never have any issues, right? Elijah gets on, he, he actually goes on the run because Jezebel, uh, Jezebel is after him. She makes a threat against him after what he did with the prophets of Baal, and he believes her. And he gets really scared. And he thinks, oh no, I'm going to die. And so something interesting happens. He's actually led to the mountain of God. And when he's in the mountain of God, something crazy happens. First of all, there's this huge windstorm so much that rocks are falling everywhere. Next uh, is an earthquake, right? Like earthquake, like the ground is literally shaking and he's freaking out, which you should, you have my permission to freak out during an earthquake, okay? And then a fire breaks out as well. During all these things, scripture says, but the Lord wasn't in any of those things. But then he heard a gentle whisper, or as you might have heard this before, a still, small voice. And that was the Lord. See, Elijah, in order to recover from the major thing that he had just gone through, had to go into the recovery room. He had to retreat from activity. He had to cease what he was doing 
and allow time for the Lord to speak to him in the still small voice. Have you ever notice if you've been through surgery or someone else has been, have you ever noticed that the recovery room isn't in the waiting room? Right? It's in its own little room. It's its own place that's dedicated for that particular activity of recovery. And in the same way, right, in, in order for you to go to your spiritual recovery room, you've got to get away. You've got to cease from activity. You've got to go find where the Lord is. You've got to be still. Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. I'm not so sure you can always know that he's God until you first be still. And this is so difficult in our culture, isn't it? This is so hard because we have these things. Y'all know, y'all know what this is, right? Now, I need to let you know that I'm preaching out of my weakness here because I'm terrible at putting this thing down. And I make myself way too available to way too many people. And I play way too many games, which, by the way, if you like to play words with friends, find me. I'll beat you. Um, but, but, I mean, this is really difficult. But here's the problem is, is as, you know, what's happened is our daytimer, our phone, our email, um, our connectivity to the world outside, it's all gone in one little thing. Our news it's, it's all gone to this one little thing. I mean, I do my banking on here. I do, I do everything on the phone. So therefore, if it's always with you, you're never retreating. And I just encourage you, and some of the husbands might be elbowing the wives and wives elbowing the husbands. But I encourage you, and this is, this is me as well. Like I'm gonna, We're going to fast as a church in January. We'll explain that later. But one of the things I'm going to be fasting is my phone. Amen. That's what my wife would have said. She'll be here second service. So, yeah. So, so I'm going to be fasting my phone because it's really difficult for me to retreat when this thing's always going off. We need to live our whole life with Jesus, not just during emergencies. Not just during emergencies. So many times we keep our relationship with God kind of in our back pocket, like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And we're like, Lord, I, I can handle this part of my life. I can do this. And I'll pull you out only when I need you. But the problem is, the problem is, is that's going to keep us from him. And then when... When, we, when life does get tough and we do need to go to the recovery room, it's this awkward, okay, now I'm ready for you. And we usually, and we'll read about this later, but have you, you ever heard the story when Jesus uh, is, is sleeping during the storm on the boat and the disciples waking up, wake him up yelling at him? So many times we wake the Lord up yelling at him. God, where are you? He's like, I'm here, bro. I've been here the whole time. Where were you? Right? Because, because we don't learn how to retreat from activity. We don't learn to stop what's going around. Stop what's going on around us. You know, sometimes you can't physically retreat. You know, when you're at work, when you're with, with your family, like you can't physically retreat, right? I mean, but you know you can actually learn to mentally retreat. This is interesting. 
Habakkuk 2.14 says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness, this is the New Living Translation, an awareness of the glory of the Lord. The New King James Version says, um, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But the word awareness is, even, is an even better word here. What does that mean? That means that as we're trying to retreat from activity, you can't be a hermit, right? Like you can't, you can't never go outside. You, you, you can't like skip work, right? You've got to work so you can eat, right? Scripture says that as well. But there is a way, and I want you guys to, to grasp this. There is a way for us to be in a retreated state of spiritual connectivity with the Lord, even while we're doing stuff. And it looks like this. Where your focus and your attention is on him. Even though you may be doing other things. Notice the scripture says, uh, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. See, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is here. Jesus is in the room right now. He's been here the whole time. And whether or not... Uh, you sense his presence has everything to do with whether or not you're aware that he's here. If there were like some big, huge celebrity that, that walked into the, you know, the back of the, the church and sat down, and all of a sudden everyone would be like, what, what, what? And they'd be like, hey, that's so-and-so over there. That's so-and-so. And you'd be worshiping, but every once in a while you'd be like, <laughs> right? You'd be, Why? Because you're aware of their presence in this place. It's the same with the Lord. When you're in Walmart, Jesus is with you. When you're at work, when you're at home, whatever you're doing, you can bring him with you. And it's just as simple as you taking your focus and your awareness and placing it on him. So you can retreat from activity like actually stop doing activity and go to the recovery room. You can also learn how to walk in a spiritual retreat even as you do stuff. Amen? Here's the next way that we enter the recovery room is we've got to learn to relax and rest. Relax and rest. you got to take your time. Remember when Jesus went to... Um, went to his recovery room. It, sometimes it would last a very long time. It wasn't quick. Um, you know, if, you, if you've been in a situation where you've come out of surgery or whatever, you know, if you all of a sudden try to get up, the nurses will rush. They, hey, don't get up, don't get up, just rest. Just, just relax, right? Just Because just, it, it takes time. In the same way, it takes time to get God's perspective on stuff. Sometimes we get ourselves so worked up um, and we don't... Uh, we don't know what to do next. We get all freaked out about everything, right? Are y'all right? But we've got to get God's perspective. Check this out. 2 Corinthians four seventeen and 18. It says this. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, now I know that might irk you a little bit. Because some of you are going through some stuff right now that seems pretty big and that gets lasting forever. But the Apostle Paul is telling us, look, that's not reality. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. There is a heavenly perspective that you can adopt. 
There's a heavenly perspective that you can walk in. And it's God's perspective. You know God's not stressed out? Did you know that? You know he's not up in heaven like, oh no, what am I going to do? He's king. He's still king. He is still king. Only once you get God's perspective on a situation can you administer God's solution to it. Think about that. If you have a situation in your life and you need God to step in, you need God to move on your behalf, don't you first have to know what his solution to that issue is? And so we've got to get God's perspective. We've got to learn to relax and rest. Rest is a, is a very biblical concept. It's a very holy thing. As a matter of fact, uh, if we turn to Hebrews chapter 4, read verse 9 and 10. Now this whole chapter, the writer of Hebrews is, is drawing a parallel between the Sabbath... Uh, when God rested after six days of creation, he's rested on the seventh day. And then he instructed the Israelites, he said, okay, on the seventh day, I want you to rest as well. And he began this pattern of rest. And he's drawing a spiritual parallel between that. And he's saying, we are actually now in a spiritual Sabbath, in a spiritual time of rest. So look at this, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. So there's a spiritual rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. See, now this is good news. I need for you to get this, okay? So the Sabbath was part of the law, right? The Sabbath was the last day of the week, which which is Saturday. The Sabbath still is Saturday, by the way. Even though we're meeting on Sunday, we're meeting on what's known as the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week because it's when Jesus rose from the dead. All right, so don't, I know, so everyone's like, what? The Sabbath is Saturday, but that doesn't mean you have to worship on the Sabbath. You worship on the Lord's Day because you follow Jesus. All right, you with me? All right, so just as the, the Father set up this pattern of work and rest, and he implemented it into the Jewish law, work and rest. Now the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, this was all just symbolic of what he wanted to do through Jesus anyway which was before those who wanted to be right with God had to work, right? But now we rest. Why? Because Jesus has done the work. And we get to enter into his rest by believing in him. Look, you are a human being, not a human doing, right? But we get so, this gets so lost on us. In the same way, Christianity, guys, listen, Christianity is not something you do. It's someone you are. If you're all stressed out about your walk with Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Stress is not a fruit of the Spirit. Frustration is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy and peace are fruits of the Spirit. They're the byproduct of a relationship with God. But not stress. And so we've got to learn to relax in the presence of God. We've got to learn to rest in the presence of God. It is God's intention for us. Amen? The third way that we enter the recovery room, we retreat, we relax, and we receive care. We receive care. Matthew 4.11 is after the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And Satan comes to him and tempts him. Satan starts quoting scripture. Woo! Satan knows better the scripture more than a lot of Christians do, y'all. And Jesus withstands the test, and he's, he's hungry, he's, he was fasting. And then at the end of that whole ordeal, in verse 11, it says, And then the angels came to him and ministered to him. 
It was time to enter the recovery room. He had just gone through a serious situation with the enemy. He overcame, and it was time to go into the recovery room. And the Lord took care of him. The Lord took care of him. You know, when you go to God as your recovery room, God takes care of you. And he's a good God who gives good gifts. He actually says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God, a good father, give good gifts to his children? One, one, uh, one account of that uh, in, in Luke actually says, how much more will the father give the Holy Spirit to his children? Y'all, the Holy Spirit's a good gift. The presence of God is a good gift. It's something that we all need because it's God himself. It's God himself. Check out this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. I love this. We're kind of breaking into a, 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 a concept here. He's talking about having the veil removed as a symbol of salvation, okay? So when he says, so verse 18, all of us who've had the veil removed, that's all of us that have come to Christ, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. See and reflect, just like the moon, right? You know the moon doesn't have any light in and of itself, right? The moon is is just there, but it is in uh, sight of the sun. And when the sun hits it, we get to see the sun's light on the moon. In the same way, when we come in contact with the Lord, we, we know that our righteousness is filthy rags, right? We don't have anything within ourselves that can make us righteous. But when we get, when we position ourselves... In right orientation to the light, the sun, then we can reflect his goodness. So we see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, if you're going through something, if you've been through a difficult season, or you're still going through that difficult season, and you need to get into the recovery room because in the recovery room, in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is everything that you need um, to, to, to be who he's called you to be and to do what he's called you to do. And what's really cool is as you get into his presence, look at what scripture says. It says, as we reflect him, as we get in his presence, he makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. That is really good news. You will look more like who you give your attention to. That's who you'll look the most like. And so we've got to learn to go to the recovery room. We've got to learn to retreat, to relax, and to receive care in order, in order to reflect God's nature. And this is what's so cool. After you retreat, you relax, and you receive. It's now time to respond. You now get to respond, but not in your own power, but in God's power. This is, this is the story when Jesus is sleeping uh, during the storm in the boat, and the disciples are freaking out. Water's getting all in the boat. They think they're going to die, right? Let's break in here, verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. He was in the recovery room, y'all. Because he'd just, he just done, done some miracles and healed some people. He was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I love that. How many times have you said that to God? Don't you care? Don't you see? Problem is, we should be in the recovery room like he was. 
Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why were you afraid? Uh, Because water was in the boat. Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Once Jesus came out of the recovery room, once he came out of that state of, of, of rest, of communing with his father, of, of being in the presence, of prayer, of, of, of this recovery room, then he could respond to the situation he was going through. And that's my question for you guys this morning is, where do you go for your recovery room? Come on, be honest. Where do you go for your recovery room? Do you even have a recovery room? Or are you just white-knuckling it through life? Hoping that one day all the environmental stuff around you is going to stop. It's not, by the way. Stuff is always going to happen in this life, right? But some of us, maybe we go to a substance for our recovery room. Maybe we go to another person and we put the weight of our peace on them. Where do you go for your recovering your recovery room. Are you going to someone or something else? Now, think about this. What would your life look like if you made the presence of God your recovery room? Not someone or something else. How would that change your life? How would that change our church if we became a people that retreated, that relaxed, found our renewal, found our purpose in the presence of God. Wouldn't that change stuff? Wouldn't that change how we saw other people? Wouldn't that change how we interacted with others? Let's stand for prayer.